VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Radio Show. It's Friday again, and we have an incredible guest on on the show this week because um, he comes from Pakistan, and he has even bullying. As you know, it's an epidemic in North America, but most of you don't know that this is prevalent everywhere, uh, from Pakistan to um, the Middle East to Africa and back to North America. I think it's absolutely not stopping. And again, we need to teach each other that we need to be kind to each other. Faisal Kotak is our guest today. Hi and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me to your show. And I know it's going to help lots of people out there facing the epidemic of bullying. I am really glad that you're on, and I'm really glad indirectly that you're not from North America originally because you can shed light uh, to us that this is prevalent everywhere, that this is a true epidemic. Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. I was born in Pakistan into a very conservative and religious family. Okay. Very strict um, even the neighborhood and everybody around us, relatives, all of them were very strict. And at the age of five, I was just like any other kid, happy to play and learn new things every day. Mm-hmm. But my life changed for me when I was raped in school by older boys, the bullies of my school. Wow. Five-year-old kid don't know what rape is, and they don't have to. No, thank goodness. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And on top of that, I could not tell uh, about this ordeal to my parents because I was so afraid of getting a beating. From your parents? or From, from my parents. From, from my parents. parents. Yeah, from my parents. Because but that... did you even realize what it was that they had done to you? No, like... For me, I mean, I, I know it's a painful subject, but uh, no, the no, more you can shed light on this, the, the better for the listeners. Sure. Well, for me, I did not know at that age um, what rape is. I went to school to learn A, B, C, D, not R, A, P, E. Yes. No five-year-old knows um, what rape is um, because the mind is not developed yet. So for me, it was a shock. It was painful, and I was scared. I felt like I was abandoned and attacked by these vicious dogs. 
And I wished at that time I was strong enough to protect myself or mm -hmm. I wished there was somebody to protect me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you didn't feel that you could go to a teacher either? No, because that's how the whole culture is. Um, because I was afraid of my parents at home, I was afraid of any adult. And yeah. what I thought was, because I was in those circumstances, and it was my fault that I got mm -hmm. raped. But you know, Fazal, that in this country, uh, even today, children don't talk because it is too humiliating to tell anyone that something like this has happened, and they all feel that they could have done something. Is this something familiar for you? Yes, exactly, because all the kids, that's what they do. They don't know um, how to handle that, and most of the times they suppress their feelings because they mm -hmm. think it's their guilt um, mm -hmm. that whatever happened to them, it was their fault, and they start carrying that shame inside them. And they're afraid to tell anyone because um, they feel the worst. Yeah, of course. So uh, let me ask you a couple of details here. Mm -hmm. Were these boys bullying you on a regular basis? And did then out of that develop the rape? Or did they just rape you and then leave you alone? Or was this a continuous attack? Well, that's a good question. Because um, most of the times, um, rape victims... They don't know um, the predators or the perpetrators. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, I had seen these uh, boys uh, bullying other kids in the school, mm -hmm. but I did not know it was coming to me. I, I, they did not bully me before. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. I just started going to school, so I was there probably probably for a month or two when this happened. Okay. And I was, I was totally unaware that this is going to happen to me. Matter of fact, when I saw them entering the classroom, it was, it was a lunch break, and everybody else had gone uh, for lunch, and I was just by myself and preparing myself to go and eat lunch when these boys entered the room. And I thought I was just going to get a beating. Mm -hmm. How old were they in comparison to you? Well, I was five, so I would say they were... Probably 10, 9 or 10. 9 or 10. Yes. Even a boy of 9 or 10 should not even know this kind of behavior. No, no. It's, it's just, just terrible. And I can't even believe, like now thinking back, how would they know these things? How would they know to go ahead and rape someone? And this is, this is my question to you because um, I just happen to, you, you know that I'm very active in mm -hmm. trying to help the children. And I just heard um, an absolute terrible story here in North America, actually right where I'm at in Tampa, Florida, about um, a young boy that was bullied continuously at school, but that committed suicide because he was threatened to be raped. And within the four hours, he committed suicide. Well... I so I just wanted you to, to know that these boys are really young, too, and, and they're not supposed to know this. Yes, yes. Well, I can certainly relate to that because, okay. because of this rape, um, yeah. I became lonely, and on top of that, I could not tell this to my parents, so there was nobody to help me out. So I thought I was just abandoned. 
um, this world became very lonely for me, and I started getting bullied because of that, since I could not help myself or protect myself. So at the age of 10, I was already thinking of committing suicide. And I think for the listeners, you know, this is really interesting because we, we, when we're in our own world, we don't necessarily think of the rest of the world. So I think for us, when we hear Pakistan, of course, we only think of the terrible things we hear in the news. Mm-hmm. But I want people to understand for the listener that this is everywhere and that uh, rape, violence, um, just goes on. Could you give us a time frame? What year was this in, so that we understand how long bullying has sure. existed even in your country? Sure. At that time, uh, I'm, I'm talking about 1979 or 1980, roughly. 1980. Wow. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think it's always been there. But my question would go out to the boys that did this. What made them so violent? Was there violence in their own home? Did one of them learn it? Did you feel that it was like really like a gang, meaning they really ganged up on you, or did you feel that it was one person and then the others kind of followed? Well, um, there were three boys. So one mm-hmm. was leader, and you are right. Uh, two of them, they were just following him. Okay. Yes, true. And because most that of, often happens. It's often one is really the main bully. Exactly. And the other ones uh, are there, but what they don't understand is that they feed power to the bully by yes. being there and by liking and egging them on. Exactly. <laughs> those those uh, kids or those people are in between victims or bullies. So, yes. So they don't know exactly if they are being bullied or are they bullies? So they kind of, they are in between, and by helping bullies, they stay away from getting bullied. I think, I think they're both, because by, by being there, they want to protect themselves. Exactly. Right? And so they decide that the pressure, I mean, this is what my experience has taught me, they, they find that the pressure is too much. Would you agree? Yes, there, there is lots of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Like some kids, they want to get attention, and then they see a bully, and they see if he's doing something terrible to other kids, and by doing that, he's getting attention, so they want to be like him too. So there's lots of peer pressure on them. Okay, if we can do this, we will be um, popular too. Yep, absolutely. But did you feel afterwards, I mean, I can imagine the next day, did you go to school? Yes, I had to, because... Um, you were afraid of your parents again. Yes, in their eyes, everything was normal. Yes, of course. And I did not want to bring more beatings on myself, so I do had believe, to go. I had. Do to you go. believe that in hindsight, mm-hmm. that if you had told them, your your father would have really helped you? In mm-hmm. hindsight. Because no. Because your father knows that you're a little kid. Yeah, but... That little kid only knew one thing, mm-hmm. that right or wrong, he's going to get a beating from his father. Okay. That was the only thing that kid knew. Okay. So I almost want to say, when I hear your story, I almost want to say, and that's why I called the title, Abuse at School Comes in All Forms, mm-hmm. because 
I almost feel when I listen to this that both places where you were at, both the school and the home, should have been a safe haven for a child. Exactly. That's a great question. Like, we send our kids to school that thinking it is safe. Yes. And in one of my articles, I talk about that, are your kids safe in schools, or mm-hmm. are they jails for them? Do they go to jail every day? So, mm-hmm. for in my case, um, my home and my school, they were both kind of jail for me. They were both yeah. torture. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't safe in any one of them. Did you find a method of escape? Was there a way for you to... Was there any friends at school in the end or while slowly growing up? Well, the thing is, the terrible thing is I could not tell this to anyone, like any friends or best friends, because because I was carrying this shame on my shoulders. Uh, So I did not discuss this with anyone. But when I turned 18, I got so tired of getting bullied, and uh, luckily I did not commit suicide. The only way for me was to just run away, basically, uh, leave the place. And that's when I decided um, to move to the United States. Okay. So you decided at 18 by yourself, with the permission of your parents, I presume, to move to the United States? Yes. Well, I had uh, permission, yes or no, Um, but I did all my homework, how to move to the United States on my own. They were not involved, and one day I just told them I have an opportunity to move to states, and uh, they were like, okay. Like, they were not surprised or nothing. They were not happy. They were not angry. Because they always presumed you were going to come back, just do your studies, right? Yes. For me, what I think is, um, in any third world country, if a son from a family goes to a Western world, mm-hmm. it is a proud for them. It is They become proud in the whole neighborhood. And for them, I was going for studies. And the second thing was they probably thought I will make some money too to help them out. Mm -hmm. So for them, it was a good thing. So that's why they did not oppose it. Wow. Very interesting. Okay. And I have a question. Mm -hmm. When you say the bullying continued nonstop, I just want to make sure that the listener really understands. So after this, this was a one-time incident, correct? Uh, The rape incident was one time. Okay. What type or what form of bullying do you feel continued literally um, uh, 12 years because you were at school till 18, I presume? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was just day-to-day uh, because I had... Just an example. Well? Was it because you were little? Did they pick on you because you had glasses? Give us a, give us a visual. Well, you got that right. I, I used to wear glasses for sure. And am I? Am I? I can see through the phone. <laughs> so I used to wear glasses, and all these kids, they used to call me four-eyed kid. Okay. And it was, uh, they were just making fun of me, and I used to be very intelligent, and uh, out of 50, 60 kids in a class, 
I used to be number two or number three or number one in grades. And what I feel is most of the kids, especially the bullies, they were jealous because they could not achieve that. So I, I got bullied all the time, and most of it was physical. They, they used to just beat up on me. Yep. Okay, st- uh, stay tuned, everyone. Uh, Faisal Katak, I hope I said that correctly. You got it. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be right back after the commercial with this interesting story about abuse in Pakistan. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Green Living Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. If you just tuned in right now, we were having a very interesting conversation with Faisal Katak from Pakistan, who lives now in North America, and his experience of rape and bullying in a Pakistani school. Hi, Faisal. Welcome back after the commercial. Thank you. Um, I, I heard you say something, and I thought that was very interesting, that when you were wearing glasses and you said, when I used to be intelligent, by the way, you still are, um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, um, so that your uniqueness kind of stood out. And the bully, this is my take on, on bullying, always goes after the uniqueness. Did it make you feel that that uniqueness was a hindrance to having friends? Or did you say to yourself, no? I'm good at school, and I'm going to excel at it. Well, very good point. Um, I knew I was unique because not very many kids were wearing glasses, and I knew that I was intelligent because I was getting good grades. But instead of using that to build up my self-esteem, 
I used it to kind of self-sabotage it because I did not have enough self-confidence and I did not believe in me at that time. So basically my uniqueness was working against me and these kids, these bullies were using it to harm me and beat me up. Wow. So would you say that the difference in bullying in Pakistan is basically very physical and violent compared to what you hear today in North America? I would say that for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. It's more vicious in any third world country, Pakistan, India, or any other country, um, because kids do not have uh, the rights kids have here in Western uh, countries. Give, give us an example so that we may understand better. Well, here, for instance, in, in, in a family, if a kid is being beaten up by his parents, that kid has the freedom to pick up the phone and dial 911. Okay. In Pakistan, if you are being beaten up or a kid, um, there is no way or no place to run or hide. You cannot tell it to any other adult because they will take the side of your parents. This is in Europe the same, just so you know. I'm sorry? This is in Europe the same. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's terrible. When I grew up in any case. Oh, that's terrible. So the kids do, do not have any right to protect themselves. So okay. w- what do they do? They cannot go anywhere. They have to stay in the same house. So they just keep it inside. True. True. If there's no escape for it, then you know that you're doomed in this sense. Exactly. So where did you find your might? Where did you find the strength to say, okay, I'll just keep going? And um, were you dreaming of getting out to America? Was it something that you knew you wanted to do from a very young age? Um, No. As a kid, or since I was a kid... I was always uh, spiritual, and I knew um, that I wanted to become um, a leader since I was a kid. For some reason, I believed in that, and I knew I can go through all these beatings and all these humiliation, and one day, my day will come when I will be the top dog, and people will listen to me. So that was the only reason, that was the light which... Uh, kept me going, and I so believe like in it. like at the end of the tunnel for you? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So luckily, um, like I said, I did not commit suicide, so that was the only reason which kept me going. I believed in myself. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Does anyone in Pakistan that you know of actually commit suicide through bullying? Oh, lots of times. All the time, actually. It's oh. um, it, it still happens there. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it happens everywhere. It, it's an ongoing thing. The only thing is uh, it does not it, reach the media. So do you feel that, um, no, it wouldn't reach the media if they protect the parents too and that reading right. is something um, okay, right? Yes, So true. tell me a little bit. You, you then come to America, and what happens to you then? After I came to America? Mm-hmm. Well, things were really good in the beginning. I was making lots of friends, I was happy, I was getting the attention I never got 
while I was in Pakistan. And on top of that, no parents were around. So I did not, <laughs> so I did not have to listen to them or obey to their decision. So it, actually it was just too much freedom for me. At times okay. I did not know what to do. <laughs> All of us are happy when our parents aren't around when we're 18 years old. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> no matter what culture we come from. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But when I read your story, you know, and, and I'm going a little bit, I'm skipping a little bit, but you, for me, you have abuse. You have truly lived abuse on two sides of the aisle. And you have not only lived abuse at school and at the parents, but then in your adult life, when you make decisions, your parents have decided that was it. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um even though I was here uh, in states by myself, mm-hmm. and I had my own uh, friends and all that, but being an obedient son and coming from that culture, um, I would still call my parents religiously every week. Okay. And uh, my father, he used to get really angry over the phone, and he would yell at me, What are you doing with these white folks? Mm-hmm. Um, these people are infidels. They don't know how to raise their families. And here I'm thinking, I'm your son. How did you raise your son? Um, so I still used to get verbal beatings um, from my parents. And my mother on the other side, she will play these emotional games. You're only our oldest son and you're supposed to help the family and blah, blah, blah. So here I thought I left all those school bullies back in Pakistan, but I did not know that my parents took that job now. They had become the bullies, and they were bullying me over the phone, telling me to come back, and this Western culture is not good for me, and I should stay away from white people, and all sorts of stuff just to make me go back and listen to them again. So I wasn't safe. Did you feel that you really had to forego your culture and leave it behind just to basically save who you are and what you are? That's a very good question. That's true. That's true. If I had gone back, Mm -hmm. I'm 100% sure that I would have become the same vessel who got beaten up in the school, or who got bullied by his parents. Um, So the only way for me to find myself and find who I really am, I had to stay here. I could not go back in that culture because I knew I would become uh, my past again. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It must be hard, though, because I, as you know, I'm passionate about culture and identity, and so you have left a piece of yourself, um, if I say that correctly, left basically in Pakistan with uh, beliefs and upbringing and, 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 and traditions that you have learned, and I'm sure that there's some of them that you loved, too. No, that, that's true. Um, basically, what I, when I look at it, is I lost my 18 years of life because I had to redevelop myself when I moved to States. 
um, I became a new me, and I had mm-hmm. to leave everything behind. I had I had been doing for eighteen years. So it's and like taking a true new identity. Exactly, exactly. And so in it, today's world, though, mm-hmm. by knowing that you took on a new identity in today's world, and I'm asking you this question spontaneously because I'm originally Pakistani myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question to you is: Don't you feel in 2012 that we're still confronted, though? You, just as I am, confronted with a culture, in your case, that you no longer wish to to acknowledge and need because I've never known it. Because you are Pakistani. I mean, looks, right? No, that is true. Like, I, like, for instance, I cannot lose Do you lose feel my... that as a hindrance today in your work, in your life? Well, that is true. Um... When I was in states, uh, now I'm I'm in Canada. Uh, there was lots of discrimination because yep. of the color, because I have a different skin color. No, <laughs> it is. I couldn't believe, help that. Sorry. <laughs> believe me, I have a different color. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Sorry. So at work. I got bullied again, but this was different kind of bullying. This was, um, it, it was discrimination. And discrimination mm-hmm. is also one type of bullying. It's I agree by, totally. Yes. It's, it, it's by your peers, by your coworkers, by your bosses. But again, it's your uniqueness that makes you stand out. True. That's a very good point. Even though I don't wear my glasses, but... Uh, Oh, uh, you replaced them with contacts? No, I got uh, laser surgery done. <laughs> ah, because I replaced it with contacts. <laughs> so I cheated a little bit. <laughs> so nevertheless, um, my color was uh, coming in between now. So that is my uniqueness. Um, the way I speak, I still have that little bit of Pakistani accent. So that was coming in the way, and uh, I still got bullied. Like, I am, I could not get rid of it. But did that make you feel re-isolated from a culture that you were trying to adopt, which is the North American culture? True. It was very hard, even though I was free at last, but it was very hard to adapt to a new culture because for 18 years I was used to my own culture, um, the family values and all that, and I had to... Um, basically reinvent myself and learn all the new culture, the new ways, the new family beliefs, the new systems and all that. So it wasn't that easy, no. But you just said free at last, but free with invisible constraints somehow pulling at you from both cultures. True, true. Invisible strings still pulling me back. Yeah, invisible constraints. Let's, um, Let's go into break. And let's uh, let the listener give uh, give a chance to call in and to ask interesting questions to Fazel. One eight 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 three four six nine one four one. We will be absolutely glad, both myself and Fazel, to take your calls if you have questions for him about bullying, about abuse, about discrimination. Um, we're ready to, for any questions you have. We'll go into break right now.
friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone, and we're back with our guest, Faisal Katak. And we were just talking before the break about him feeling that he was free from the Pakistani culture and the Muslim culture, and then in North America, in the U.S. to be specific, he then encountered in the workplace discrimination and racism, which is another form of bullying. So basically, you got hit by both sides. I got hit by everything. Yeah, all kind of bullying. I have <laughs> <hit> everything. <laughs> Everything you make it sound like a truck hit you, <laughs> but how do you deal with it? How do you not go and become this introverted person because it gets lonely out there? If people hit you on both sides, I would expect the person to become very isolated. No, that's a very great question. Um, again, it's going back to my roots. Uh, the way. I I guess the way my mind was programmed, um, pretty tough uh, mentally, um, even though I saw lots of racism, lots of bullying here in States, I still kept going because I knew if I go back, I would have to face the worst. Mm-hmm. And I knew there will be one day when something will happen and I will get my power, my voice, and my confidence back. But I also feel that, um, just for for the listeners again, that the way uh, your parents reacted is the way that thousands, millions of parents react all over the world. We say, okay, we love you, Mm -hmm. but please do this, this, and this. Please choose this career. Please choose this wife. Partner, and please do this, this, and this. With other words, and this is what I always speak about: it's it's love with 
so many conditions, and it's pure conformity, you know, that we have to conform to rules to have a, a society that works. I'm, I'm all for it. But that we tell, again, family members, and I'm a parent myself, and so are you, that I, I would not imagine telling my child what she had to study, who she has to marry, because these are decisions that this person has to make all on their own. Totally. And I'm not, not telling her, I will not love you anymore if you do this, this, and this. And this is one of the things that I think I keep talking about in human kindness that I think we should change. Because if we change this, I would say our, our generation, you're a bit younger than I am, but I would say 30 to 60, we need to teach this and live by example and show it to the younger generation so that bullying might actually disappear. What do you think about that? 200%. Um, what I look at is, is it is, for me, it is blackmailing. Like parents blackmail their kids. Uh, we will give you money, we will give you food, we will give you love, but you have to become an engineer or doctor. Um, by the way, I was supposed to be, or supposed to become an engineer. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was told all the time by my parents, even though I did not want to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But I had to obey. Okay. Because if I didn't, I'll get the beating. So this happens all the time, everywhere, and most of the times parents don't even know that they are doing this terrible thing to their kids because guess what? Who taught them? They learned this from their own parents, and then they learned from their grandparents and blah, blah, blah. Um, so this, this is kind of a family trait which has been given to the parents in generations to generations, and that's but the best a- thing they know. It's an absolutely vicious cycle. But, and this is where I have a big but in, in, in making a dent into this epidemic. Mm-hmm. Don't you believe that between the people that I'm pointing out, between 30 and 60, mm-hmm. have all gone through it? Yeah. There isn't one person that I can't talk to, I'm sure you, you have the same, that doesn't put their hand up. They've been bullied, teased, teased to the, the point that it wasn't teasing anymore or they've had uh, some sort of abuse within the home. And so I think that our group really, because we've lived it, we need to be kinder. But the, the strange part is we're not. We, we, we seem to just repeat the patterns instead of saying enough, enough violence, enough hurt. Let's do this differently. How can we do it? Well, it's a, it's a terrible thing. This is the society nowadays. Nowadays, everybody is looking for money and the materialistic things. And the basic things, basic family values, we have forgotten. And we do not want to change them, most of us. Like, I'm father of two girls, seven and ten. Mm-hmm. And for a few years, I was doing the same thing unknowingly. My parents were. I was not beating them up or anything like that, but I was pretty strict with, with them. We're sending an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I learned from my parents. And then yeah. I realized that this is not right. I cannot change the world by doing this. So now my behavior has changed with my girls. 
I let them make their own decisions. So you, tell me how you found that, so that the listener, mm-hmm. maybe there's maybe something in what you're going to say right now, because it's really important. There's going to be something that someone out there listens to, and that they say, gosh, you're right, Cecil, I do the same. Great. Um, well, you, you may call it midlife crisis or midlife change. Um, since... I had seen so much bullying in my life. Finally, I realized this is not what I want for my kids. Since I came, became father to my kids and I was using the same things to them, I realized this is not what I want. This is not what I want them to become, not like me. Um, so what I started doing was I started reading lots of books, self-empowerment, to get my voice and confidence back. And finally, I gave the shame back to those boys, the boys who raped me. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked with a mentor. This is another part. This is a very key piece uh, listeners need to know, that you need to have a mentor in your life if you want to make a change. And I know there are lots of self-help books, um, but... What happens is those books, they become shelf-help, not self-help. So luckily I found my mentor and I worked with him. I dug deep inside me and found out who I really am, who I wanted to be, and what kind of difference I wanted to make in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found out bullying is the subject I do not want to see. It is the epidemic I do not want to see in this world, not for my kids and not for any other kids in this world. So basically it was self-empowerment, realization that this is more important than making money and making uh, material stuff or working on projects. So for me this is very important right now because our kids are tomorrow's leaders. And our kids who are victims are the bullies tomorrow. Exactly. So if we don't, do not deal with this epidemic right now, I can't even imagine how the world is going to be in the next 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Unfortunately, we all are very afraid that someone will take something from us. And I keep trying to tell every single kid, the uniqueness that you feel is so terrible today will become your strength as you become an adult. True. But most children, of course, don't believe me when they say that. But that's the truth. We all do. You did, I do, and many others before us and after us will do the same. Well, because as parents, we take it for granted. These are our kids. They're not going to go anywhere. So I do not need to work on them or spend time with them. They will be here forever with me. I'd rather make some more money or do some other things. But then well, there comes... Fl- I'm sorry? Time flies. It's, uh, life is in, over in the blink of an eye. So yes. as a parent, you better pay attention. It is very, very important because years pass by and then we see kids getting bullied or the same kid uh, committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And then we realize, oh, we did not pay attention to this kid. Absolutely. 
Uh, when we come back after b- the break, we're going to talk a little bit about where Faisal lives today and what he's doing to help young children and to especially save lives. Um, let's go into commercial break, okay, Faisal? Sure. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now... Back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone. Um, we're back with Faisal Katak. And I have a question for you because you live now in Canada. Yes. Is there any difference for you in how you lived and you felt that you got discriminated in the U.S. from being from Pakistan? Do you have that at all? You live in Vancouver, British Columbia, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, Tell us a little bit about the difference with the Canadians. Well, the, there are two big differences. The biggest one is, um, as you know, Vancouver, especially Vancouver, it's a melting pot of different cultures. Um, okay. There are so many different communities from all over the world, and they stay in the same cities. So we get to know about different cultures, um, how they operate, how their family systems are, uh, versus United States, where there's only one culture, or at least that's what I saw. Um, here in Canada, what I see is the families are more tightly knit together than states. Uh, maybe it's because of the influence of different cultures uh, from third world countries. That's how the uh, families are there. So okay. that was a big difference uh, when I compare Canada to United States. Okay. And what was the second one? 
Um, sorry, I mixed them together, actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first one is the different cultures okay. into a big melting pot. And okay. the second is uh, tight-knit uh, families. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. But, and, and here comes a big thought, because as you know, my home base is Vancouver, British Columbia. Yes. Um, your last name, um, and I hope you don't take any offense, mm-hmm. is, is a foreign name for North America. And um, my experience is from having friends from all countries in Vancouver, they say that it's uh, it's rough. It's rough to send your curriculum vitae in with a foreign name. Do you, do you feel that you have that at all in Canada? No, it's, it's totally true. Um, I am still being bullied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for having a different uh, name, a weird for some people. Um, it is true. Uh, my name is a big hurdle for lots of people when I uh, call some people. And so first couple of minutes, I'm just explaining my name to them. Okay. And I waste my energy on that. And because of that, sometimes I don't get the deals I want because people, they just... Um, they just shrug you off because you don't have the uh, Caucasian name. So that this is, is what I meant earlier when I said there's invisible constraints that each and every human being, I think, has. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ones that you have is that although you forego the culture and you have adopted another one, you are still confronted to the birth culture. Exactly. On and a daily basis. Yes, daily basis, true, true. Even though it is a melting pot of different cultures and different names, but still day-to-day base, um, meeting new people, it's a big hurdle. Like, my own name is a problem for me at times. I myself, honestly, I, I love Canada. I have not one bad thing to say about the country. But I think it's a melting pot that has not melted yet. <laughs> but in today's world, honestly, um U.S., Canada, Holland, and I say this on purpose, the Netherlands, all of us, every single country that you literally visit is a melting pot that hasn't melted yet because we're unwilling to share totally in the culture and accept it. Sharing is one thing, but accept it. You know that we eat foreign foods. In in Canada, you have Korean, you have Japanese, you have everything. And we taste at everything, but we don't do it when it comes down to people. No, true. We just need to turn up the heat a bit more. Yes, we definitely do. Fazo, I want to give you the chance to tell the listeners what you do today, how they can reach you. I know you're a public speaker. I know you're passionate in helping making a dent in this terrible epidemic. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, today I'm here to help those kids who are where I was once a few years ago. Kids who feel lonely, abandoned, ashamed of themselves, even though they have their families. Mm -hmm. And kids who get goosebumps creeping up their spines when they walk down the hallway because there is some yahoo, some bully waiting for them. Mm -hmm. And kids who beat up other innocent kids just to feel significant. I'm Mm -hmm. here to help all the victims of bullying and the bullies. And I know most of the people are thinking, help bullies? What's wrong with him? But, you know, many of us know that there is 
a very, very fine line between becoming a bully and a victim. Same circumstances can create a bully or victim. Mm -hmm. My question is, what will happen if we do not help bullies? Aren't we creating tomorrow's criminals, rapists, murderers? Well, I want to become the voice for the kids who are being raped and teased every day. And this is what I do. I work with families one-on-one, helping them deal with the epidemic of bullying. And I have created these tools which can help victims of bullying to self-empower themselves and be strong. And at the same time, my tools also help bullies to become loving and caring human beings. I have. And you wrote a book, right? Uh, yes, I. It's almost done. My book is the title is the Bully Mind. I am trying to um, crack the code of a bully mind. How a bully mind works and how we can change it. How we can rewire it. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is both sides of bullying. That is B O T H sides S I D E S off bullying.com and I have all my Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn uh, links on that website so I encourage all the listeners to please go to the website and get some useful and helpful information about bullying and let's make a change, let's reach out to all those kids who are being victimized by bullies or bullies who are just trying to beat up on other kids just to get attention. Let's help all those kids so we can make a better world in the future. That sounds terrific. I think um, I think it's fantastic what you're doing, and anyone that can help in this epidemic, all of us can, yes. will make a real difference. Exactly. Um, because it's very, very needed out there, that's for sure. Um, it's, it's very great what you do, and you give workshops too? Yes, I do workshops. I <clears throat> I speak to kids in schools. Um, I have uh, like one-day workshops where I invite all the parents and we talk about bullying and how we can tackle it and different tools I share with them. And they can get all the information on my website. I'm going to throw a question out here just for the heck of it. Oh, I'm my curious. goodness. That's good for one, one more. May I? <laughs> sure. Okay. It's totally spontaneous, but when I just heard you say parents, obviously you speak Urdu, right? Because it's your home. Yes. Um, It's your first language, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So my question to you, um, isn't there a way that you could help um, the Pakistanis in their own country through Internet to help the children over there that have, because... You know, when you said, and, and I, I feel very passionate about that, that the children have nowhere to go. In mm-hmm. certain cultures, for me, it was the same. You had nowhere to go. You, you left school and you were miserable, but you, you didn't really want to go home because, oh, my gosh, there you had to put a face on because you didn't want to let them know what happened at school. And so for those children, are you going to organize something? Because you have the capabilities. First of all, you, you seem to have a really big heart and passion, but you have the language skills to be able to do it. 
Well, that's a great question. I'm, I'm glad Which you... I don't. Otherwise, I would. <laughs> no, I'm glad you brought up that point. Uh, that This is another uh, passion of me. I want to form a foundation for those kids, in uh, not only in Pakistan, in India, in Afghanistan, all those third world uh, countries, to help them out. Because not only I can speak Urdu, but I can speak Hindi and Punjabi. Um, mm-hmm. And being part of that community where I was born, and I know there are millions of kids who are going through the same I went through day in and day out. So I want to help them out. I want to reach to them. So I'm working on founding a foundation which will listen to these kids, where kids will come and share their stories and find the ways uh, to help themselves and their friends. So I'm very passionate about that, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and if there are any other people listening today and they can help me out in that cause, that would be awesome. I invite them to come okay, and work with me. fantastic. Um, yeah, because I was thinking about that when you said it. Uh, I'm going to try to make a dent myself in Europe because I speak European languages. But right. I think it's very much needed because um, we just can't let them be rudderless and go out there thinking that nobody cares and that they're worthless because they're absolutely not. Yes, yes, true, 100%. So we're going to finish on that note. Anything else you want to add? Well, well thank you. Anything you want to say? Well, thank you very much for you, for this great interview, and all the listeners for listening to me today. And I encourage them again to please go to the website and uh, come with me and help all the kids in need. Sounds terrific. Like you said and like you heard, go look him up. If you forgot his website, you just go to Mike Radio on Voice America, and his link is right there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It was a fantastic show. And, Faisal, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. And until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.